Hey everybody, it's Dave here, Darren over there. We're a day later than normal, but that's okay. We're here to talk about your Minnesota Vikings on Two Old Bloggers. Tonight's episode, we're going to discuss how is Harris Phillips, Horrible Harry, the run-stopping solution the Vikings have been needed, needing for a while. Then we're going to look at some projections made uh, this week. Darren's going to comment on them. I'm going to say, yeah, maybe. We'll see. We'll find out. And then we're going to finish up with the great legendary Jim Marshall. Turns out he's made the finalist list for the class of 23 in the Hall of Fame. Should he be there? Oh, hell yes. Will he be there? Yeah, eh, maybe a different story. But we'll find out right after this. Climb in the pocket, Bailey Norseman and Lake Monster Brewing presents Two Old Bloggers. Hey everybody, it's Dave here, Darren over there. How you doing today, Hi. Darren, on this lovely Sunday? I am exhausted, David. Why is uh, that? Here's a here's a tip for people out there: is if you're if you're 53, you just turned 53. Don't play doubles and singles and tennis. Because <laughs> it's too much work, too much running around, especially if you sweat like I do. And man, oh man, I uh, I am going to go to bed after the show is over. But I'm not too tired to talk about the Vikings. Okay, well, great. Um, as has already been mentioned in the comments, happy belated birthday. For those of you that don't know, we were waiting until yesterday on the live show to wish him a happy birthday, but that got postponed due to rain uh, messing with Darren's tennis acumen up in Yellowknife yesterday. Everybody wants to know, how'd you do? Well, I got to the uh, the final in the singles, and uh, the in the mixed doubles, we lost in the quarters or something. So... Uh, that that was this this morning. We played a mixed doubles at nine a.m. It was a three-set match. It was almost three hours. And then I had to play men's singles right after it against some sixteen-year-old kid, and uh, <laughs> I won the first set. And then the second set, I started cramping up and I couldn't play anymore. So I had to concede. Ooh. And uh, okay. so uh, it was fun, fun weekend. But uh, that's why I'm exhausted. And uh, yeah, I gotta uh, I gotta figure this out. <laughs> yeah, we'll make it work anymore, but I, but I don't, I haven't seemed to figure that out yet. <laughs> well, we got to get to start this show. As usual, we have three themes. We'll start off with the first one. A little rusty after only having one show this last week, ours. So, You're slow on the draw, David. I am slow on the draw, <laughs> and I don't know why. You wanted to talk about Harrison Phillips and does he fix the run defense. We know that's been a problem with the Vikings or for the Vikings the last couple of years. Is he the solution? 
we used to have a good run defense. Rightly right? so. Anchored by these two. We used to. Yes, we used to have a great run defense. Like you're saying, David, uh, the uh, Vikings for the past two years, we've complained about it on this show. Well, I don't know. It seems like every other week about how bad they were in 2020 and 2021. And I don't think they're all that great in 2019 either. But, uh, but you know, that, you know, back in two from two, you know, we used to have, wasn't too long ago that we, you couldn't run on the Vikings because you had Pat Williams and Kevin Williams manning the middle and the, the, the Williams wall, as we all remember from 2000, basically 2006 to 2009, that was as good a run defense as the Vikings had had since probably the purple people leader days. And, you know, it's uh, and we do not have that anymore. But um, we do have a new defense that we're running, and we do have some new players to fit into that defense. And one of those is is Harrison Phillips. And so, you know, really the the, the um, one thing that I was wondering is is in Phillips, we got the 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 graphic up there number eight interior lineman on the Drew Bunting uh, big board from 2018. Uh, so uh, Drew nailed that one. Probably could have moved him up a little bit, I suppose, based on some of those uh, looking at. But he certainly got Vita Vea right, being the number one guy up there, I think. Anyway, I, I digress. But that that whole Phillips I was looking at, you know, he was a, one of the first free agent signings that Quasi Adolfo Mensa made. Um, and I saw some... Pretty, um, some nice stats last week about Phillips and his run defense, defensive work. Uh, that he, uh, ESPN ran a story or talked about him. It was the most underrated players on each team. They had him as it's up there, eighth in run stop win rate, ESPN. And then probably the next graphic is the pro, his pro football focus grades for run defense. When you're looking up there, and defensive grade overall is excellent the run defense grade is even better and so really the you know the question with phillips is can you know is is can he sort of by himself turn around the vikings run defense um i uh, of course one player can't i don't think can do it all because uh, there's numerous issues as to why the vikings have had a bad run defense the past two years, bad, poor tackling being one of him. But I think that Phillips is one of those unsung guys that every defense needs a, a nasty a guy who's nasty and has toughness. Something I think that, that the Vikings have lacked on the interior since Linval Joseph's uh, basically his peak years, which I would say were 2015 to say 2018. Uh, we, the past three years, we haven't had, uh, you know, a guy like Phillips and, and what Phillips can do, uh, I think is, you know, he's, he's going to occupy a couple of, of blockers. Uh, he's going to, uh, his motor is going to run hot all the time along with doing that. And, and he can get, he's shown that he can get penetration on the interior, even when he's got multiple guys blocking him. And that's going to free up other guys, shoot gaps, uh, you know, be, one-on-one -on -one with blockers and maybe not even the best blockers on the offensive line and, you know, get, uh, meet the ball carriers before they get to the line of scrimmage, as opposed to the past couple of years where those guys, particularly the linebackers, 
were getting the run carrier like three or four yards down the field and then get carried another two or three yards down the field. So, I, you know, I'm pretty excited about what Harrison Phillips is, you know, can do, is going to do for the Vikings deep run defense in, uh, in 2022. Um, you know, you know, he's not going to give you much uh, as a pass uh, rusher, but then a nose tackle is not expected to, you know, rack up sacks and create a lot of pass pressures. He's expected to occupy blockers. Like I said, uh, allow other guys to make plays. Uh, and uh, that's something that Harrison Phillips, I think is going to be able to do really, really well. And he also might be able to help the guy there who is on the left in particular, Dalvin Tomlinson. Last year, Tomlinson was a big free agent signing for the Vikings. He was okay. Uh, but, uh, but you, you know, I've, maybe he is not a murky defensive lineman, but he's a good defensive lineman. And if he's given an opportunity more to face one, face blockers one-on-one, I think that will help him. Um, and that's how Harrison Phillips can help him. And also Armand Watts on the other side is, is occupying a lot of the offensive lines, um, you know, occupying a lot of their, the attention from the offensive line. So that, you know, to me, I feel that, the, that really Harrison Phillips is a guy that, uh, we're going to be I'm excited to see what he's going to do. I think he's going to have a big impact on this run defense. And I think we're going to be pleasantly surprised by what Harrison Phillips uh, is able to do uh, for the Vikings run defense. Uh, Dave, I don't know if, uh, if you uh, have any thoughts about Harrison Phillips and, and his impact or what you kind of thought were, uh, were some of the issues with the Vikings run defense the past couple of years that, you know, stuck out to you. Well, the run defense, last couple of years was you were right. They weren't being that immovable object. They weren't uh, occupying blockers. There was blockers getting out to the linebackers. Thus the linebackers were tackling beyond the line of scrimmage. The gaps weren't open for them to, to rush in and make uh, tackles that way. We hadn't seen where I'm hoping that like with, Linval Joseph, and like with Pat Williams, here's a young man coming off his rookie contract. We're getting him at his absolute prime, going into his prime, right? He's already good. He's only going to become better. And I'm hoping like Fat Pat, like um, Jerry Ball, like those guys that just absolutely consume guys in the middle, that he will be that type. And what I really like about him is his attitude and personality. He's not a quiet individual. He's always having a good time. He's always talking, lightening things up. Uh, I think he's probably a good trash talker on the field. I don't know that for sure, but I would bet it just because of his personality. The Vikings have lacked that sort of gregarious uh, individual to help lead and motivate on the defense the last couple of years. They just haven't had it, right? We've had some, we've got some very good players, Harrison Smith, you know, uh, Kendricks, all that, but they're, they're generally all quiet. They're not rah-rah guys. I suspect that... Harrison Phillips is going to be more, not the rah-rah type, but he's going to be the loud type, the one that gets everybody pumped and going. And I think that will benefit this team greatly, and I look forward to seeing it. 
Thanks, Dave. Uh, I think Aaron below was talking about how uh, no Sue or, or Akeem Hicks uh, too expensive. And we did talk about Sue two or three weeks ago on the show. And uh, I think certainly uh, Sue is still on the uh, free agent market without a job, I mm-hmm. believe, uh, even though uh, he reportedly has had, had conversations with the Vikings and the Raiders. And supposedly but, the uh, offers are, are out there and they're sitting. He's just waiting mm-hmm. for the right time, I believe, to choose. Maybe he's hoping somebody gets hurt in a training camp and that drives his value up somewhere. Yeah, I think with with uh, guys like Hicks and Sue, one of the issues for the Vikings would be, or it would be for me anyway, was that we're not, I don't know, we're, I don't think anybody is looking at us, I think some Vikings fans are, I don't think anybody is looking at us as a Super Bowl contender at this point in time. And Hicks and Sue are over 30. Uh, Hicks has had injury problems the past couple of years, and I'm not sure that Quasi Adolfo Mensa, even though uh, they talked about we're in a competitive rebuild, I don't know if he felt that Hicks and or Sue, even though we've had conversations with them, I don't think they're sold that those are the right kind of guys to bring in with this team at the cost they're going to have at the age that they're at. That's, That's what I think are the issues there. Uh, of course, I'm often wrong, so it could be something <laughs> completely different. Well, we'll find out. I, I'm happy with who we've got. I, I don't think Sue adds anything special. He'd be a rotational player, whether you know that's what he wants. But I mean, that's the position his career yeah. he's at, and I'm happy with who we have. So we'll find out. That then moves us to our second theme. You read an article by this man, Kevin Seifert, who is now ESPN's Viking Vikings beat writer. Well, Kevin, he's a uh, long t- was a long time Vikings writer at the Star Tribune, and uh, and then he was with the NF ESPN and and did the I think he did Vikings beat writer, and then he became just a general NFL uh, beat writer, and now he's back doing the Viking stuff since Courtney Cronin defected to the Bears. But uh, yeah, he had a uh, he had a, a story uh, recently on he was projecting the Vikings roster based on what uh, reading the tea leaves the Vikings are won't put out their their depth chart until pretty much the beginning of the you know just before the beginning of the season I think so we're all, we're quite a we're a month and more away from finding out like what the Vikings depth chart actually is according to the team. But Seifert uh, gave it his best shot. And um, he had, uh, I think he had some interesting um, thoughts on certain positions that I wanted to bring up and maybe we could talk about what we think about that. And, uh, and there was, uh, he mentioned, and it's true that the Vikings, he doesn't expect there to be a whole lot of roster movement with the Vikings. We still have a lot of veterans, a lot of good veterans. Uh, we don't, you know, there's not going to be much movement at quarterback, running back, a few other spots. But um, he he did uh, he did talk about the wide receiver position. Something I found interesting is that he has Jalen Naylor, the, uh, the the sixth round pick from Michigan State. He has him making the team. He has Amir Smith not making the team, which I thought was interesting because. Uh, uh, we did talk about Naylor and Smith Marset both uh, vying for the punt return job, which will help their employment prospects with the Vikings. Mm-hmm. But uh, I really, I felt, I felt that Amir Smith Marset. I've said it before. I'll say it again. He looked like a completely different 
player towards the end of last season than he did at the beginning right. and particularly in preseason when he couldn't catch a cold, uh, didn't seem to be able to get open. I know the last couple of games in the year, the Vikings were kind of out of it. And so were the teams that they were, you know, in some ways what they were playing, but uh, particularly the bears, but I don't know, like I, I not, I'm not really, uh, I disagree with Seifert on him picking Naylor over Amir Smith Marset. Uh, I think it's going to be the other way around. Um, BC Johnson, we got a photo of him, uh, the forgotten man, uh, the invisible man after losing his job to Justin Jefferson in the second year and then being out all of last year with the knee injury. Uh, Seifert said that he has looked great in during the spring and that he can see BC Johnson having a, a you know a, a fairly significant role as a slot in the slot receiver. Uh, I think most of us. Uh, we do know that the the Rams will probably the Rams the Vikings under Kevin O'Connell will uh, probably run more four wide receiver sets than the Vikings did under Mike Zimmer. So maybe BC Johnson has a role that I'm not uh, that I'm not envisioning right now. Uh, I wasn't sure if he'd make the roster or not. So that was interesting. Um, on the offensive line, some he's got Wyatt Davis, Blake Brandell, and Oliudo all getting uh, not making the team. Uh, Wyatt Davis not making the team wouldn't be a surprise to any of us because he just seems to be uh, not in the Vikings' plans. He certainly wasn't last year, and it doesn't look like he is this year based on the reps he was getting in the spring. Uh, Aliudo, Blake Brandel, uh, but that's uh, I found a little bit interesting because of course, Aliudo was our starting right guard last year. Not a very good one, but he, he was the starter. Uh, Seifert has Vidarian Lowe, the sixth rounder from Illinois, making it over these two guys. But we had heard that Brand, Brandell and Udo were fighting for the swing tackle spot. Uh, I Is Vidarian Lowe, who I understand is a project, I think somebody that at the sixth round, I think somebody that you don't have to unless he shows he's fantastic, better than these guys, sure, he could get the roster spot. But to me, it's, he sounded like when they drafted him, he was a project and kind of the guy like Ali Udo was his first year or two, somebody you have on the practice squad mm-hmm. and stash and allow him to develop. Um, Brandell and Ali Udo have both played guard and tackle at, you know, at the NFL level, at least in preseason, uh, particularly with Brandell. So they, you know, they've got some, they can play multiple positions. I don't know about Verdarian Lowe. I feel that that's more valuable to the Vikings than, than Lowe is right at this point. And, uh, and Seaford also had Austin Schlotman making the team, uh, which I don't understand based on the grades you showed on him back when he signed as a free agent. I mean, mm-hmm. he was, they're awful, right. but he, play center so again position flexibility and um will you know and i see vidarian low as a practice squad guy it takes linemen usually a few years to get literally three years to get up to what it needs to be in the nfl unless they're coming from like one of six schools they're not ready and it takes them a while Oliudo, like you said, spent spent time on a practice squad learning, right? Brandell spent time on the practice squad learning. I suspect those guys are competing, like we had said before, for that swing tackle spot, and that Lowe will be on the practice squad learning. We we won't know. We got to see what happens in camp. Now, 
What's yeah. disappointing about camp is under the new UDFA, they're only in pads for 12 practices. That's it, right? Mm. And usually one of those gets canceled. And you've got some yeah. preseason games, so you're not going to get that many live reps. And it takes linemen actually hitting each other at full speed to see, to learn how to counter, where I need to step. How do I deal with a guy that's, you know, playing tall or one that's small, one that's fast, one that's shifty? All those things, it takes reps, 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 reps that they don't generally get nowadays. So for low to make the starting 53, to me would be, unless there's something I don't know about him, I don't see it happening. It would be shocking. And it would probably be a combination because the other two didn't show well. But they both can play if they had to. So I suspect they will, they'll have a better chance of making the squad and then low goes to the practice squad, as you said. Yeah, and again, like maybe Lowe is lights out in training camp and and preseason, and Aliudo and Blake Brandell are who they are. Um, mm-hmm. You know, their their positions on the roster are far from guaranteed, but they do have experience. They have played in NFL games actually, and uh, yeah, I I just I don't know. I don't I don't see Vidariano getting it over them. Uh, defensive line, another area. We, we know that the, the Vikings going with the 3-4. They do not need as many defensive linemen as they once did in the 4-3. Uh, Seifert does not see James Lynch making the Vikings roster, uh, which I hope isn't true because he was one of my breakout player mm-hmm. candidates a couple of months ago, and I like James Lynch. Uh, but, uh, I again, Lynch, and he played quite a bit last year. Uh, with a different de- head coaching staff, a different defensive coordinator, yes, but he, he did play quite a bit. Was it out of necessity or out of uh, actual desperation, uh, merit? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it was. It was more out of necessity, but nonetheless, uh, that it seems that he's into his third year. He's got uh, you know a fair bit of experience now. Is he? There are the Vikings going to cut him and then keep the fifth rounder as easy? Otomewo, um, again, um, they like his versatility because he can go inside, outside. But I think James Lynch can do the same thing. He was playing inside in the 4-3. He's played outside in the 3-4 at Baylor. He can do all of those things. Uh, but uh, So I, I, I'm not seeing it. I think Otomewo, if he makes the team, uh, that you know, I will, I will be a little bit surprised. I think that he's another guy that you can probably stash on the practice squad. Uh, he's going to have to have a very good camp. But then again, so is James Lynch. But that was another area where I had a quibble with Seifert on. And uh, the last thing was the linebackers that I thought was interesting. He had Janarius Robinson making the team. Uh, We need more stand-up rushing linebackers, of course, in the 3-4. But what what the hell can Jarius Robinson do? We have no idea because he didn't play at all last year. I don't think he even played him. He was injured. Um, Yeah, we know he's got arms of a pterodactyl we know that he's crazy athletic we also know at florida state he didn't produce at all uh even though he was a starter much of the time uh i you know i he's got all of the measurables that you would like in a guy playing his position the arm length the height the weight but uh where's the production so you know that was interesting and because he was making the team uh the other thing was that chaz surratt is not making the team uh on the inside, as an inside backer, 
And uh, that, again, probably won't surprise Vikings fans because Surratt was Mr. Invisible last year. Uh, we don't. We haven't really heard the coaching staff talking him up at all this this uh, training camp, and they've been talking up almost everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, that doesn't bode well for Surratt, and uh, and the fact that he was a third rounder in 2021, who looks like he might be getting cut in 20 or 2022, would be uh, go down as a huge whiff by Rick Spielman um, if that were to happen. And, uh, and yeah, I don't, and Surratt's kind of a strange case. I was excited when he got drafted, very, very productive in, in the short time that he played linebacker at North Carolina, um, undersized, but a unique kind of player with a unique skill set. but it just doesn't seem to be happening for him here in Minnesota. I, you know, I would at least hope he stands out as a special teams guy, but yeah, he, and that, I mean, he's replaceable there. That brings yes. us to the favorite part of the show where we talk about Lake Monster Brewing. If you're in the St. Paul, go to the brew house at Lake Monster Brewing in St. Paul. If you're right across in Minneapolis, go across the bridge and go to St. Paul. If you're in the entire Vikings viewing area, check out your favorite beer purchasing outlets. And scope out some Lake Monster brews. They're absolutely fantastic. This week, they've come out with a new one. Because everybody in the Great White North, right, from Minnesota on up, seems to love rhubarb. Yours truly included. Well, they've come out with a strawberry rhubarb ale. This thing sounds refreshing. Absolutely refreshing. It's hot outside you want something with a little, you know, tartness to go along with it? Check it out. Strawberry rhubarb. And what they have on tap this week is right there, your blood orange citrus IPA, your strawberry rhubarb, your pog, your rare species, which I like. And you could buy in pints the traditional Como Claw, Empty Rowboat, Last Fathom, Zanetti's Premium Pills. Obviously, an Italian recipe there. Not that I know Italians to be uh, master beer work, uh, beer brewers, but maybe Mr. Zanetti is. And then you have the Tough Mudder Unfiltered. Remember, we featured that last week. The Tough Mudder was this weekend, the 9th and 10th, in the cities, the Twin Cities. For all those that competed, congratulations. That's, that is a tough thing to do. And those that completed it and got their free Tough Mudder beer, hooray for you. You guys did great. I send out my congratulations. So if you want somebody that's part of the community, sponsoring things that are going on, that cater to just about everybody's taste, you want something a little bit off the beaten path, like that strawberry rhubarb ale, go on, give it a shot. It's getting warmer. We're in a dog days of summer. This might be the perfect fix. Now on to the third thing. And a one. Raymond had strawberry rhubarb wine tonight. That looks good. And we just lost Darren. He's been having internet problems. Hopefully he'll come back. But we're going to start the third theme without him. As we said earlier. Jim Marshall has been 
announced to be part of the final 25 selected for the 2023 class by the Seniors Committee. The Seniors Committee over these next three years, 23, 24, and 25, can select up to three players. And when it's up to, I hope they do. It's That to me is a no-brainer. If we can select up to three, we're selecting three. Right, because there's there's a backlog of some of these older players that absolutely deserve to be there. As Vikings fans, we know how integral Jim Marshall was to the Purple People Eaters. Yes, he didn't get all the glory, he didn't get all the fame, because that line was so fantastic. But he did break some records. He was, and we'll get into it here shortly. There's quite a few. Darren wants to get into it, I know. But we view this as probably the biggest oversight in Vikings history. Is it, Darren? Drew says, get him into the Hall of Fame. I agree, get him into the Hall of Fame. But there's quite a few players that are on that list. There's 25 to be exact. Darren was worried about these five gentlemen in front of you and who you have up on the upper left, we all know as the singer from that three-part movie who did the acapella stuff and he played for the Cheeseheads, all right, Clay Matthews. You have in the upper right, Roger Craig. In the left, there in the orange for the Broncos, you have Randy Gratishire. Over to his Gratishire on the right side of the image, you have Everson Walls, famous cornerback initially with the Cowboys. And in the middle, you have the big man from that Hogs line of the Redskins. And I say the Redskins because they were the Redskins back then. Um, you have Joe Jacoby. These were the five that hit you out of that 25 list that you were afraid of. Can you hear me now, Darren? You still look frozen again. So I'm taking that as the internet has gone. He's worried that some of these guys... I can hear you, Dave. Oh, we can hear you. Talk about these five gentlemen. Okay, good. Well, yeah, the uh, I, I think... Uh, the uh, Clay Matthews Jr. is uh, the other Clay Matthews, the previous Clay Matthews who played for the Browns, I believe, not, 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 not the Clay Maker. But uh, I was, you know, there, yeah, Jim, Roger Craig, and Joe Jacoby, for instance. Uh, not only being very good players, but they were also have Super Bowl rings. And uh, we know that the Hall of Fame uh, voters in the past tend to favor and like to see uh, guys with a CV or resume that includes Super Bowl rings. Uh, Jim Marshall does not have that. So that's one of the, one of the things he has going against him, uh, other than a lot of good senior candidates. Uh, I also feel that, you know, Jim, uh, he's probably hurt by a, a few things one is that he played a long long time 20 years 
but he only made two two Pro Bowls, right? Uh, in those 20 years. Uh, so do I think voters in the past may have felt that his success was based on, like you you were talking about, the fact that he played next to Carl Eller, Eller and, and Alan Page. Both, both guys are in the Hall of Fame. So I don't know if they value what Marshall did as a player because of the, who he played with. Uh, I think that's held against him. Um, and the, another issue would be, again, uh, because he didn't make a lot of Pro Bowls, only two, um, you know, you could take that as a sign of, well, was he one of the best at his position consistently, which is one of the things you look at for a Hall of Famer. Even though he played a long time, he started virtually every game he ever played and started on some really, really, really good defenses. But compared to the rest of the league, was he, you know, the top guy at defensive end? And I think because of the, the Pro Bowls, uh, the fact, you know, and voters didn't get, to, didn't get to see football as much back in those days. You know, they didn't get to watch games on film i think that they have to take that and they hold that against jim marshall uh, as well um but you know he had there's things that uh, that are in his favor he had a uh, hundred and uh, you i think 128 sacks i believe in his career uh, according to pro five. football reference they've and upped it 130.5 hmm. okay uh, and there was a from 1962 or 63 to 1969 where Jim Marshall had uh, never had didn't have less than seven sacks in a season uh, his his high was in 1969 he had 14 uh, but uh, through that that span he never had less than seven a high of 14 he had three years we had 10 or four years where he had 10 and 10 sacks or more sacks aren't everything on a third defensive lineman but that's a pretty good stretch uh, of strong pr- production from the sack total at defensive end, a spot where you are expected to sack the quarterback. Quarterbacks, again, didn't throw the ball. Teams didn't throw the ball nearly as much back then. Much of that era, Jim Marshall was playing a 12-game, 14-game seasons, not the 16 games and now 17 games that guys get to play now. Uh, so those are things in his favor. Another thing, 270 straight st- that's still the record for most starts by a defensive player ever. So Jim Marshall was tough. Uh, you can you can imagine it was the medical help that they had back in those days. How much pain he was probably in, and still answered the bell game after game after game after game. And you know what they say? The old saying uh, in sports, David, is that the most important ability availability. Availability. And nobody was better at that on the defensive end than Jim Marshall. Uh, so I think that there's the, those are the things he has going for him in becoming a, a senior, uh, getting into it in the senior category for the Hall of Fame, finally. And there, if you look, the other thing is, if you look at the, the Hall of Fame, uh, you find all kinds of players where you're kind of wondering, what the hell are they actually doing in there? Like Paul Horning from the Green Bay Packers <laughs> would be like exhibit A. I don't think he had more, you know, a different era. Uh, he didn't, he just had a little bit over 3,000 rushing yards in his entire career. Different era, different time, but he was the named Golden Boy, Heisman Trophy winner, played in the Green Bay Packers, and they won some NFL titles. Bingo, he's in the Hall of Fame. No, I wouldn't say he's anywhere near an all time great player. Mm. Uh, I didn't watch him play, but the stats. Uh, tell a certain story again different and he did a bunch of other things but i don't 
Like Paul Horning, does he deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? I'm not totally sold on that. Uh, so I do, but I am sold on Jim Marshall. Yes, I am biased, but uh, I think that he deserves to be in there. Of course, will he get in there? I'm not confident that he will. Uh, again, because I think voters, uh, their memory of the player that Jim Marshall was, considering he retired in 1979, their memory of him a lot fainter than their memory will be, or you know, some of the other guys. Uh, I am, yeah, so I feel that sadly Marshall's probably going to be one of those guys that is not going to make it until he's in the ground pushing up daisies. Well, let's hope that's not the case. I don't know if you feel the same way. Well, yeah, I'll explain. Jim Marshall was very, very, very good. And you're right. He played on that defensive line that is considered one of the best, if not the best, all time in history. And you had Paige and Eller there that gets, you know, the both, the super, super duper accolades. Take this what if. All right, he was so good, Marshall was. But you're playing next to two of the greatest football players that ever laced up cleats. If Jim Marshall was on, for that time period, the Cowboys or the Dolphins or the Steelers and not opposite of Paige and Eller, I'll bet all those stats would be increased exponentially. He'd be putting up numbers like those guys were, right? Because he would now be the focus, right? And it would be a more concerted effort and also winning Super Bowls. I think that would have put him there. He only had, like you said, two Pro Bowl appearances and only once did he make the AP All-Pro team and it was the AP All uh, uh, second All-Pro team. And the way they look at that, they look at those titles and accolades that they get throughout their seasons. And they don't, and they weigh those. And he just he just doesn't have a lot of them, and that's going to hurt him a lot. Now, Pro Football Reference has a metric they call the um, Hall of Fame Monitor. And they quantify a lot of these things. You can go look up on their page. They have it explained. Um, some of the different things they talk about is... Uh, you know, they value in their breakdown how many were they first team offense or defense for all decade selections, second team, and they give them points, amount of Pro Bowls, amount of championships, their weighted approximate value, which is very good. Um, and then they break them down by positions. When you get to defensive ends, it sacks over 125. They get bonus points, like we said. They show them at 130.5. They get a 2.5 penalty point penalty if no championships were won. Now, whether they count the 69 championship, I do not know. But uh, he's on there. And I took the list. I took the list of everybody in that 25, and I took their numbers. And I looked at their numbers, where they rank. Jim Marshall, when it comes to that, 
that that Hall of Fame monitor number and where he, they have his position ranking in that is dead smack in the middle of the 25. Unfortunately, that's where he's at. He's the number one defensive end in the group. The other defensive end that I saw was, uh, oh, who was it? It was uh, Joe Klecko, and he by far blows away Joe Klecko. But there's other guys ahead. We talked about Randy Gratishire, right, for the Broncos. Randy Gratishire has a score of 70.80, right? And he's ranked as the 12th position as an inside linebacker by them. And the position average in the hall is 108.63, right? So he's at the top of the list, will probably make it. Uh, you have Chuck Howley, who played in the 50s and 60s, who's next. Um, Joe Jacoby is third. He has a score of 74.55, which is even higher, but he's 19th when it comes to tackles. Um, and their average in the hall is 94, so he's real close. I suspect Jacoby will be on the list. He'll be one of the three selected this year. And then it goes down, you have Ken Anderson, the quarterback for the Bungles. He actually was good. Yeah. And uh Yes, he was. And uh and it goes down and it goes down and it goes down. Roger Craig's up, up there. He's got a seventy seven point four eight score out of uh the average for running backs hundred and six point nine five, which is the highest of all the position uh averages. And it goes on. But he's down there. Clay Matthews Jr. is below him, thankfully. But Clay Matthews Jr. was more popular, and he's in everybody's <laughs> memory, and blah, blah. And he was on a movie, and yeah. And Everson Walls, even further down, he's towards the bottom, believe it or not, when you take their list. Now, when it comes to getting in the Hall of Fame, Pro Football Reference in their Hall of Fame monitor uses this. They try to figure out what these writers are looking for because it's writers generally that are doing the voting and stuff. But what happens when you get to these levels, you have a sponsor writer, as I understand it, a media member um, that usually go up and on behalf of the player, they will advocate for that player and they will give a presentation, right? Saying my guy here, Jim Marshall should be in the Hall of Fame. These are the reasons why. And they, you know, tick it off. Bang, 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 bang. And you might get, well, yeah, but he ran the wrong way and got a safety. Well, everybody's human, you know. But it, it's the, the strength of that presentation and the personality presenting it that may make the difference. And may make the difference of, hey, we don't have enough defensive ends represented in the Hall of Fame. We need more. This is your next logical step. He should be in. I'm hoping something like that pushes him across the finish line. Now, for golly geez, when it comes to this uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame monitor that uh, Pro Football Reference has built, I looked up three players that will uh, two will likely make the Hall of Fame. One's a surefire. One is Jared Allen. Right, Jared Allen just missed this last year. I suspect he'll get in next year. Jared Allen playing the same position, defensive end. When it comes to those points and those accolades, scored 70.15. 
right, versus Marshall. Marshall scored 54, even. We know Jared Allen has a great career. I suspect he'll make it, but he's right on literally that edge of doing it. But I suspect he'll make it, so we count him as making it. He ranked 22, whereas Marshall's 33rd on that list. Now let's take a surefire individual, Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson, right, we know is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, or should. He should walk straight in, just for his football stuff. Right, His off-the-field stuff's totally different. His money management stuff, he obviously sucks. But his football stuff, he should walk right in. Adrian Peterson has a composite score under their system of 125.67. The average for the Hall of Fame for for running backs is 106.95. And he's already at 125.67. He's going to walk straight in. Now, the third player I looked up was Kirk Cousins. For all the Kirk lovers out there, how far <laughs> away is Kirk from making the Hall of Fame per this metric? The number that P- Pro Football Reference, PFR, has is 37.83 when the average quarterback's at 104.14. It would take him winning MVP Ooh-wee. and Super Bowls to get in. But I suspect Marshall will get in before he does, unless Kirk wins Super Bowls and MVPs in this, you know, last part of his career. It's if he does, he better do with the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Yes, with the Vikings. It all comes down to these give you big, big, big bonuses. So you want those? I want Jim to make the Hall of Fame. I believe. And he deserves to be there. I think he was the unsung hero on that Purple People Eaters line. He was the quiet guy. You know, he suffered from too many riches of everybody else. Uh, If he was on another team, I think he would have been right up at that level. Right? Not everybody can be first. And those guys were just so, so good. But I don't, they were, you know, this freaking good. I think he was this good. The rest of the league was down here. And I think him being just a little bit below Eller mm-hmm. and Marshall, or Eller and Page, hurt him. <coughs> ah, my throat got dry on that bit. But I'm hoping he gets there. Absolutely hoping. Willie, I doubt it. And I think we just lost Darren again. Darn it. This is where I asked for last words, but I don't think we're going to get any from Darren. I want to thank everybody for joining us. Mary, Raymond, Dan. Uh, we got Plumbo. Of course, the Drewster with some of the best knowledge in the graphics when we're talking about Phillips at the beginning. All you guys that have joined us tonight, I appreciate it. I hope you have a great remainder of the summer. And a reminder, rookies report to camp on the 24th. That's only, only two weeks away. That's right, two weeks. I apologize for Darren's internet up there. I don't know what it is. If uh, 
Christopher Gates watching, it's probably sunspots. Uh, <laughs> but we'll find out. And with that, I want everybody to be safe, sound, happy. Get your refreshment. If it's from Lake Monster and you're in the area, go there. If you're not from there, anywhere, partake of your local craft brew and distillers and have a really, 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 really good time. With that, what do we say, everybody? Skull Vikings! Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found, and to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.